the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everyone. Dennis Prager with Julie Hartman, the Dennis and Julie podcast. I was wondering where the name podcast comes (laughs) from. You don't know. No. And I don't know. You know? Yeah, what is the... We know what cast is broadcast. What is pod from? It is from iPod. Elsie said that. Well done. Well done. We should do a whole segment on Elsie. I agree. I have a lot to say. You sir, so do I. The now. look of terror that on just her face? crossed her countenance, as Charlotte Bronte would say in Jane Eyre. <laughs> I now say that unironically. So right, you, you, this is a riot. Right before we went on, as you know, I was on OAN mm-hmm. uh, being interviewed, and the woman who did it was reviewing some stories, and then went to me. One of the stories was on a awoke church, I believe, in England. And I, I actually thought when she said this that it was a satire. The name of the reverend was Reverend Genders. Oh, gosh. So I had to do everything I could to stop, to not, not to laugh. Crack up. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have moments like that. I have to tell you when, when well, it's like, don't laugh, don't laugh. Yes, well, Wait. Every, yeah, everybody does, but not normally on national television. Right, right. <laughs> I have had those moments on it national radio. It would have been very uh, in, impertinent of me to start cracking up yes. while she's doing a newscast. Yes, I have to look up this Reverend Genders. It's like there's a whole host of that, by the way, on the internet. For example, the veterinarian, you know, all of these are true. Dr. Katz. Yeah. You know, the, the, yes. it's very yes. cute when the name is appropriate to the job. Mm-hmm. Prager doesn't tell you much, I, I will admit. But as we were saying uh, a few moments ago off the air, it's a really good last name. You were you were blessed. I was blessed with both names. You, uh, <laughs> I was blessed. Do, do you know, God, we always, it's amazing. I'm getting to a serious topic so quickly. So, people who suffer will ask, why me? Mm-hmm. Which is a completely understandable question. And almost as intensely as people who have some terrible thing happen and they ask, why me? Mm-hmm. I would say, I can't say as intensely because I can't measure my emotion vis-a-vis another person's emotion. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that almost as intensely, or maybe equally, I don't know, I ask why me in the opposite direction. 
why did I luck out in so many ways? Mm-hmm. I know that about you. It is it is true. You are extremely grateful. And I don't even, none of it is meant as self-complimentary. I, I don't know, I'll go further. I don't know why people who have it good don't constantly say, why me? Well, so recently, as you know, but I'm telling the viewers, I was on the third hour of Dennis's radio program, as now we periodically do. And Dennis, you brought up this article from this uh, Afghan woman who was talking about how the Taliban has recently outlawed beauty salons in Afghanistan. And as I was reading that, and I, I, like you, am a grateful person. I credit my nature, even growing up. I grew up here in Los Angeles and my parents live close to the water. Even growing up, eight years old, I would look out the window and say, we're so lucky to be here. You know, a lot of people don't get to live by the ocean. I've always kind of had that. But also gratitude is something that you work on and you acquire through through hard work, like any other virtue. But anyway, as I was reading that Taliban article and as we were discussing it, I kept thinking, I'm a grateful person, but we we have to be reminded of how grateful we should be for some things that we don't even consider as freedoms. Here in the United States, some may be grateful for freedom of speech, freedom of religion, but I would bet few of us, myself included, think about how lucky we are to be able to, as women, walk down the street with our hair out in the open. How lucky we are to be able to go to a beauty salon, to work, to not have to gain permissions from our husbands or brothers to do certain things. So that's just to say you can be one of the most grateful people alive and there are still some things that we all overlook but you actually i, I believe you you even think about those details i do i do uh, in light of what you said i i have said and i know you've heard this in america today at almost any college you get a ba in ingratitude you get a master's in ingratitude and a PhD in ingratitude. Mm -hmm. Is it, do you agree, and for those tuning in for the first time, Julie has no problem disagreeing with me just for the record. Yes. Or I with you. I, I just want people to know that. Okay. Can you imagine, this, this is, and it's a serious question. A grateful leftist. No. Because baked into the ideology is disrespect, disdain, and criticism. How can gratitude be an offshoot of those three core pillars of leftism? When you hate something, when you think it's wrong and defective and ought to be changed, you're not grateful for it. A woman your age or even younger, at, I remember even where, University of Wyoming, I, I asked people who differ with me to come up first to microphones. I want to hear from the ones who differ first. So she looked at me. She was just completely uh, respectful. Was, I had no issue with her. But she looked, looked at me and said, are you saying that women are not oppressed in America? Yep, that is what I'm saying which is, of course, what I said. Of course, internally in me, that is, I was thinking, is she kidding? 
I, there was a voice in me that was wondering if, if she was sort of saying words that she really didn't believe. How do you believe that? You're a woman. So good. this, this is good. I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. Here, here's, a, here's a girl around your age. And at that time, she might re- well be exactly your age because this was a few years ago. And and says, Mr. Prager, are you serious? You're saying women are not oppressed in America? Get me if you can. Maybe you can't, which is... I, I can. Okay, good. Get I me can. into the mindset. I'll tell you the two contributing factors. Number one is that we are constantly told that we are oppressed and people point to the pay gap. I actually once... or um, What's it called? The uh, Yeah, pay, pay wage. Yeah, yeah wa- pay wage gap. gap. That's yeah. what it's called. Um Prager U actually changed my mind on that, as it did on many issues. But I once believed that there was a huge disparity in the amount that men and women are paid. And in some cases, there is the the principal example being sports. But we know that it's they because earn more they earn men. more and that, people yes, watch it more. That's the I mean, way it works. It's not, that's the way it works. Yes. W- women's beauty pageants earn more than men's yes, beauty pageants. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's a good counterexample. So the first thing is we're, we're told this constantly. The, the pay gap being one example. Also, as you frequently remark on, these these suppositions are thrown out there without any basis. So, you know, you're told throughout your whole life that you live in a heteronormative, patriarchal society and they provide very few examples, but you start to believe it because when a lie is repeated enough, you, you start to accept it as truth. That's reason number one. Reason number two, and I believe that this is, this is 75% of the issue, is that we are profoundly ignorant as to how the rest of the world lives. I was profoundly ignorant. I did not know, and I'm, re- I'm really embarrassed to say this. And by the way, this is a good segue into one of the subjects I want to discuss. I'm reading this book on, on Hitler's uh, Berlin in 1933 because I'm going to Berlin and I want to know all my stuff. And it's, it is actually amazing how little I knew about Nazi Germany prior to reading this book. I, I learned so much and it is a failure of American education that they did not teach me this. We'll put that aside for a moment. But we don't even learn about the contemporary situations of people abroad. I didn't know until I decided to research Iran a few months ago in the wake of these protests that there was such an egregiously misogynistic government. I had no idea that you had to gain permission from your husband and father to get an education. I had no idea that the age of criminal responsibility for women is younger than for men. I didn't know that women in Iran need two male witnesses to corroborate their story if they go to court and allege that they were raped. I didn't know that. Ha- How the hell do you have two male witnesses? I know it's it's all, no. It, I mean it's 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 truly devastating. Well, they, they in general people have even, no idea. Even non-rape a woman's right. Uh, well, in the Quran, it says a woman's testimony is worth half that of a, mm-hmm. a man. So that's where that come from. People have no idea. So you know when I learned this, this is so. I'm, I never said this publicly, and it's not a. It's, there's no reason. I just never came up. Mm-hmm. It hit me that I didn't know what the rest of the world was like mm-hmm. in college. My junior year abroad was in England. Mm-hmm. And I visited some people's homes, middle-class Brits. So uh, in within British terms, the same exact level as my life. Middle class, middle of the middle class, I always put it. 
And I remember thinking when I was in their home, this is so much less than we have. It, it, it dazzled me. It would have been considered at best upper lower class. Mm-hmm. And, and they were well into the middle class in English terms. And that's England, not Iran. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, nobody lives like us. And it was true. Oh, great story on this. Do you know my World Youth Assembly story? Maybe. Okay. You, you may not. I'm curious if you know it at all. So t- to give you an idea of how early my public life started, when I was 21, I had just returned from the Soviet Union for the only time in UN history, for good reason, they decided to gather the youth of the world instead of the usual delegates. So you had to be under 40. I was 21. And I was, I was, a, I was named a delegate to the World Youth Assembly. And you will love this story. So the delegation from the Soviet Union said, we want to visit Harlem to see the oppressed blacks of America. So all the communist delegates and third world delegates, they hired all these buses to take people into Harlem to see the oppressed blacks of America. You will love this story. Oh, my gosh. It is precious beyond words. So they take them to Harlem. When they got back, they all said, we were fooled. They took us to see the rich blacks. Mm-hmm. But they didn't take them to see I the know, rich blacks. I know, but it's just so... Yes! It seems as though the they're rich compared to the Union. Houses, yes. cars, cars. The oppressed poor blacks had cars. In America, means nothing to have a car. In the world, it means incredible amount that you have a car. That's when people say, you know, healthcare is a human right. I I want everyone to get healthcare, have access to healthcare as much as the next person. I agree it's super important, but people just throw out these things like I deserve this at all times. And it's like you have no you have no idea the the way that the, the rest of the world lives and how difficult some of these things are to accomplish. I That's why the girl could say going back full circle Oh, you're saying we're not oppressed, we women in America? They they don't know. And the benefit of traveling, to your point, is that you go and and you see the way other people live. When I went to Israel, I was so blown away by the challenges to their security that they face because on paper, Israel is much like the United States. Its citizens enjoy the same liberties that we do, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, you know, et cetera, et cetera. However, you know, we, I think it was like the the second to last day of the tour, our tour guide had to leave because one of his best friends was stabbed in the West Bank and was in the hospital. And then we were visiting a um, Israeli settlement in the West Bank and this woman was, was showing us or telling us about the the people that would come and and rob her home. We t- we spoke with IDF 
members of the IDF, which is the Israeli army, and they would talk about how they lost brothers, they lost friends. And it was it was just so immensely important for me to see as an American that having a country that has certain liberties, it's it's not even enough. We we in the United States have liberties and we have security. You know, we, we don't again, it goes back to what I was saying. We don't even comprehend that certain freedoms and privileges that we enjoy are freedoms and privileges. But as good as traveling is, as helpful as it is, as necessary as it is, you can go online and learn learn so much about the world and, and very quickly understand that your situation is heavenly compared to the vast majority of the population. And it is – there's a reason why we don't learn certain things in high school and college. I think it's part of this ideological push to make people believe that America is worse than it is compared to the rest of the world. It's an excellent point. What other reason would there be to not tell us about these things? It's relevant. They can't say it's not relevant. Right. You're you're 100% right, but there is another reason. And, and, and it's as awful. There there is no real yearning to have learned students. Mm. Yes. You want indoctrinated students, not learned students. See, also, I think, and this is a, a generalization, it is not true of every teacher or every student, but I actually think there is some racism involved here where we kind of think – because. Yes, it's true that that we Americans are extremely ignorant as to how other people live, but we're not that ignorant. We, I would, I would venture to say most Americans know that in China you are killed on the spot for speaking out against the regime. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think a good contingent of Americans know, and I really actually do think there is this kind of racism where it's like, oh well, those people—that's how they live, you know. Hmm. Like, well, so you think if, if it happened in a white European country, they would be more upset? I Otherwise, do. Otherwise, it's not race based. I do, actually. Um, I, I think that it would be more jarring, but I think there's actually this kind of like, well, that's, uh, uh, you that's know what, what? Africans I, I are actually, subjected to. Believe it or not, I never thought about that, and you may be right. I think I am. Yeah, I know you think you are. <laughs> That, that, I will that say was, the second uh, that came out of my mouth, no, yeah. I was like, that was That's not a good contribution. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Wait, the question is, do I think, and does everybody listening think? But let, let me let me offer. If I could, if I could yeah, erase no, it, yeah. I would. It was just let, stupid. No, no, it, it's quite all right. Um, I'll I'll tell you uh, perhaps an argument on on your behalf. There is more. More line space, if you will. More, there are more articles condemning Hungary for alleged suppression of liberty than China. Yep, great. And, and Hungary is ten times freer than China. Excellent piece of evidence. But That's they're right. white. Yep. Yes, I, I really do think it's it's so hard, Dennis, because you and I are so allergic to the charge of racism because it is thrown around so superfluously. But there are inst I mean, look at they they the left says that that 
the right wing is is racist towards black people. I think the left is incredibly racist towards black people well, with no teachers comparison. unions, no, of course. denying school choice, right. telling black people that they will not succeed because of the color of their yes, skin, that's right. that they will always be the subject of this horrible life, that they right. need help. That is racism. And I do believe that this idea like, well, well, that's just what happens to Chinese people. That's just what happens to Africans in the continent. That's just what happens to Muslim women. It's just and, and and a proof of this is to to add to to your example is that the the people in America who are so concerned about homophobia never condemn condemn the Middle East or or African Africa countries, right or even China which is ironic because China is communist and supposedly super progressive but they don't allow transgenderism for instance. I doubt if there's a Pride Day in China. Yeah, no, I don't think there is. I I want to make sure I'm right about this, but I don't think they allow homosexuality. I don't think you you would see any Pride flags on Chinese embassies. But that that shows my idea of this this insidious racism that they may not perceive that they have, but they do. Well, it doesn't matter if gays are being persecuted in the Middle East— Right, because that's what that's what happens there. Right, or the, again, the Hungary China example right. is mm-hmm. a powerful one, I think. So, I learned before I went to England, I I I understood how how fortunate I was, not economically that happened in in England, but as a Jew, especially. I remember the day I learned who Hitler was. Mm. My family would watch one TV program a week together. One. That's you, sweet. It, it was, now that I think of it. And I, it was certainly, it was through, I would say, eighth grade. I don't think in high school. And it was called The 20th Century with Walter Cronkite. Oh, gosh. So weird you mentioned that. That I went on Amazon the other day because someone recommended it to me, and I ordered CDs of the those 20th episodes. Century? Yes, I did, and I did ordered, you watch any? No, no, they're on. They're in transit, and I ordered PBS. Uh, they, there was the Civilizations series in yeah. the '60s. They remade it later and made it woke, but the one from 1969, I ordered that too. The history of civilization, or it's or called Western? Civilizations. Yeah, oh, Civilizations by PBS or Civilization. Yeah, when they weren't woke. Yes, it's spelled with an S. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, Go on. No, no, it's nothing. So we're sitting as a family. I would say I was in seventh grade. So why would that make me 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe 11. But that, 11 or 12. And Hitler comes on the on the 20th Century series that, that Sunday night. So I say, who's Hitler? Said he was a very bad man. He killed six million Jews. <laughs> that must have. Oh, that must have hit you in the face. It. I remember. I I, I needed to process it. I needed time. I, they said it pretty much as matter of factly. Not mm-hmm. that they weren't passionate. Mm-hmm. My father fought in World War Two, but that's all they said, and that started me on a lifelong hatred of evil, that moment, and realizing, whoa, am I lucky. I I guess this is, I think, an 
an uncommon aspect of, of my brain or mind or soul. I never thought that I personally or my society generally were immune to evil. I never thought, oh, I'm not going to be hit by a drunk driver. It never occurred to me. My view is a drunk driver is going to kill somebody today. It could just as easily be me as the next guy. Most people don't think like that. Their their sense is, for whatever reason, it's going to be the next guy. That's what we talked about two episodes ago with our a Struggle with God episode, which, by the way, I think was one of our best ever. And I said, I think my faith would be shaken if my parent were hit by a drunk yes. driver. And you said, when it happens to other people, is your faith shaken? No. So why why right. would you allow it to be shaken when it happens to you? And it was it it was a really no really, that's everything. It is everything. Well, it's also everything. Uh, to be personal for a moment, because you're rational. The number of rational people is small. That's a very dis dis. It's uh, the word disconcerting uh, notion. Anyway, I knew how lucky I was and how much evil there has been. I think it's. It's more common in a Jewish home than in a, say, Protestant home. Because Protestants don't think, there's no Holocaust against Protestants. That, that does make a difference. It is one of the reasons I think that Protestants are more optimistic uh, but, uh, than, than uh, let's say, I am. Because they, they don't have a history of their group mm-hmm. uh, being the target of evil. So evil is, I think, and and I'm a big fan of the American Protestant, in case anybody is wondering. But I I do believe that the idea that evil will happen to you is less real uh, to, uh, let's say, a Protestant American than a Jew, which makes it all the more remarkable that Jews are on the left. Yes. Because the left is making the foundations of American uh, of the of the American society is so weakening. The left is weakening it. Mm-hmm. And I ask Jews all the time, "Who do you think the the temple, the house is going to fall down on? Us first, never only. But if we weaken civilization, we will suffer." Time and time again, that has been proven. Exactly. So I'm, I'm hesitating whether to say this, but we know on Dennis and Julie. That if you hesitate to say it. You're saying it. Right. I mean no disrespect to Jews by saying this, and I'm certainly not trying to paint all Jews with one broad brush, but it is a little perplexing to me how many Jews I know that seem to have no interest in A, Judaism, and B, understanding what happened in the Holocaust. Clearly, that's not true of every Jew. I'm sitting across from one no, who, no, who no. goes so, to Great Lakes. Wait. First, you're right on part one. Part two, they think. They know. Yeah. And you know what they know? The right wing caused the Holocaust, and Christians are responsible. And, and that's all they know about it. And both are wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
And look, I would I I think it's awful that, you know, I was just saying a few minutes ago that that Americans in general don't seek to learn more about the situations beyond them. I'm I, again, I'm not trying to just go after Jews here, but I think it is especially interesting that there are so many, especially my age, because the Holocaust was so recent. I mean, it was 80 years ago right now it was happening. It's amazing. It hasn't even I been know. a century. Right. Isn't that I mean, like, can we just pause for a moment and let that sink in? Oh, my God. And I just, again, I'm, well, I'm so sensitive. let me make sensitive. it even more immediate. Yeah. You're talking to a person five years before, forget father, five years before this guy was born, Auschwitz was operating. I just know I know some some Jews who are leftist and they are secular and they have had family that have died in the Holocaust. And with with respect to them, you can see I'm very sensitive about making this charge because I know I know that that I'm going to get flack for it and please take it in the spirit that it's intended, but I can't imagine being the grandchild of someone who died in the Holocaust and not and not wanting to understand how and and why they that, th- that well, happened. As I, said, I know they, they think, think they do, but yeah. If you get rid of Christianity and you get rid of the right wing, you won't have another Holocaust. That is most Jews' mindset. Mm-hmm. It is it, it in the worst sense of the word. It is sim- simplistic. It's not simple. Simple is good. It's simplistic. And by the way, this is true of, of I also know people who are grandchildren of, of people who lived in the Soviet Union or in the constituent Soviet Socialist Republics, mm-hmm. and they know nothing about communism. Well, and by nothing. the way, look, the number of Gentile leftists oh, dwarfs the number of Jewish leftists. They believe it was Christianity and the right also. Right, yes. It's... If we just liberate ourselves from the right wing and from Christianity, we'll have a beautiful world. Mm-hmm. Well, we are liberating ourselves from conservative principles and from Christianity. You think it's beautiful? Really? Yep. Men give birth. That is just beautiful. Let's let's raise kids with a drag queen story hour and tell them that America is is a a, a, a systemically racist place. Mm-hmm. Well, as you say in your Bible commentary, I think it is one of the best lines, and that's saying something because I have a lot. Others that would compete for the top spot. But you say that, you know, we're told so much about the, I want to get the right word that you said, the the dangers of being too religious or too too religious regimes. We don't ever talk about how dangerous and destructive secular regimes have been. Look at the 20th century. Nazis, communists, both secular. That blew my mind. It wasn't even something that I had thought of. Well, this means a lot to me, because if you never thought of it... I'm so ashamed that I never thought yes, of it. Yes, well, as soon as you hear it, you go, that's pretty important. But it shows it? you it shows you how, how the destitute state of American education... That's right. That, that, and the reason why my teachers didn't tell this Com- to me is because they don't know. They don't know. They weren't right. taught. They, uh, uh, but, but ask them... So how many unarmed blacks are killed a year oh, by exactly. police? Oh, exactly, exactly. You'll get a thousand. Yes. Oh, and, if not more. And it's under twenty. I know. It's it's unbelievable. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart, and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. 
When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, Call Nick Grovich and his team at Amfed Coin in Bullion, 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. So going back to this this uh, subject, um, I, I feel like whenever I'm reading a book, You know I what? Come... I'm going to make a note of this. I need to write a column. You want sure. to tear me off half yes. a piece of paper? Well done. Thank you. Really well done. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> no I, problem. <laughs> I, uh, NP. No, no. I want to make a list of things you don't know. This is okay. Well, good. You're going to have to keep writing because we're going to go over a lot of this right now. Well, you always say, Dennis, uh, how many college graduates know what the Gulag Archipelago is? Right. Exactly. I would say how many college graduates could identify what the Gestapo is? Wow. I don't I, I don't know if I could three years ago. No. Huh. Yeah. See that see that is amazing. Oh a few, okay, so I'm reading this book called Um In the Garden of the Beast. It's by Eric Larson, is that right? Yeah. He is, I love how I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm reading the book right now. I should know the, the author's last name. Um, it's it's a spectacular book. As I said, I'm re- it's about Hitler's Germany, the first year of his chancellorship. He became chancellor in 1933, and this was before he became absolute dictator because President von Hindenburg of Germany allowed Hitler to first become chancellor, and then it was all downhill from there. Anyway, even just that, even what I just told you, I am not convinced. I'm being really honest here, and it's and it's hard for me to even say this because I'm I'm so ashamed of myself and I'm so angry at my lack of education on this subject. I could have told you that Hindenburg was the president of Germany. I don't know if I could have said what I just said. I don't know that I would you have. You think you could have said he was president of Germany? Yes. Well, that's because of my own reading. My when could you have said? When in high in college? In college, yes. I think I knew Hindenburg was the president of Germany. I knew there was some kind of Well, you were a history major. Right. Okay. But still the fact I, I was fuzzy uh, the, on those the, facts prior the vast to the majority of your fellow students could not identify Hindenburg. Oh, absolutely not. And and there were things that I was reading about like They the, might think he's a Zeppelin. Oh, you don't know about the Hindenburg Zeppelin? No. Oh, was that interesting? Oh gosh, is this another history thing I I didn't know? Well, you you will find that just when we're done, okay. look it up. That story will blow your mind. What is it? In- oh, about It was one of the great aviation disasters of, of that period. Mm. Zeppelins were a, a, a rare, but, but far more common than today. I don't even know if it exists. Way of travel. Oh. Okay. Anyway, well, it, it's not Smiling critical. Smiling and nodding. Yeah. Okay. But hold on. The other started. Get this started. It's right and it's rising. It's rising. Terrible. 
Oh, my, get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames, and, and it's falling on the morning fast, and all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's, 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 it's like 20, oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky, and it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen, the smoke and the flames now, and the famous crashing to the ground, not quite to the morning mass. All the humanity and all the fans are just feeding around it. I told you... I can't even talk to people. His friends are out there. It's a, it's, it's a, oh. I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, it's just laying down massive smoking wreckage. What year was that? Oh, yeah, take a look. Okay. So the, he just played a, the, a, a live radio broadcast of the Zeppelin going down. Okay. Okay, anyway, yeah. Okay. So I have. So, so what are you learning in the book? Okay, well, so much, but I I realized that I I learned n- close to none of this in high school and college. I was a history major in college. It is the first thing I want to say is that I am convinced that every single college, in order for their students, its students to graduate as history majors, should require that they take three courses: one on the history of the United States. One on the history of World War II, focus on Nazism, and one and the third on the history of communism. You know what you should but, look up? What? I don't know if it's possible. Uh, this year's offering of courses, let's say just even, yeah. well, I think the whole, the whole college, and 50 years ago. Oh, that would be fascinating. Oh, that'd Fasc- be a good timeless episode. It would it would be Ooh, awesome. That's a really good one. I, I'm dying to. Thanks for that. That's really good. Do you know what I did in high school? I'm which doing that. Brought me. I, I know you could appreciate this. It brought me immense adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Reading college catalogs—that's what they were called. Mm-hmm. It was there was no online. It was physical. So you'd send to the college, you know, please send me your your catalog. Their catalog of courses. And I remember vividly history of Russia, history of Italy, history of France, 19th century Germany, 20th century Germany. I thought, I want to take every one of them. Yes. Oh, gosh. I, I can relate. I love going through Hi- yeah, Hillsdale. Yeah, but, but it's not now. Now it's... I know, but I go to Hillsdale. Oh, I And see. I look yeah. at their courses. I'm right. like, this is so great. Okay, so that was the first thing I wanted to tell you, my takeaway from the book. I realized, oh my gosh, why didn't I know much of this? And then I realized, well, there wasn't even a class that that was offered that, that would explain such a thing. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two. Wait, that's big. I, want, I hope that sank yes. into everybody. Yes, you're right. That they didn't make... The, that the average... Kid at Harvard can't identify the Gestapo. Well, that brings me to this okay. next point. Yeah. I wrote down five questions, and I am convinced that if you gave these five questions to Harvard history majors, Yale history majors, insert name of school, they would not be able to answer the majority correctly. The first question, who was president? During World War II, who was the United States president? You're joking. I do not. I honest to God do not think most could answer that. I'll Millard give... Fillmore. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Martin Van Buren. Yeah, exactly. Number two. Wait, wait. I'm trying. Wait, I, you don't no, understand. No, no, That's no, no. enough to, 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 oh, I to know. shock me. Oh, just get ready for it. 
I, I, I've really thought these questions okay. through. And by the and again, I, I'm, what, I'm wait, just, how about this? What if we asked when was World War Two? What do you think we'd get? I think more people would get that because we because we have to memorize a lot of dates, at least at my high school. A lot of history nowadays is memorizing dates. So people may be able to place it. Okay. But I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. Number one, who was the U.S. president during World War II? Don't think a lot of people can answer that. Number two, what was the name of the Nazi secret police? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be able to answer that. Number three, who was the president of Germany that allowed Hitler's ascent to power? No, that would be close to zero. Right. Well, I could substitute that for what was appeasement. Right. Please tell tell us what appeasement is. Number four, what does Nazism stand for? What does Nazi stand for? Zero. Zero. No one could get that. No one could get that. And it would shock them if they found out. That's exactly right. For those who are listening and don't know, national socialism. Here, this you The right-wing regime. This you may not know. This will fascinate you. Okay. Why national socialism and not just German socialism or socialism? Remember, the Nazis were Mm anti-communist, at least in theory. But the communists were for socialism. But the communists were for class-based socialism, communism. The Nazis were for national-based, Aryan racist based the difference between the communists that's huge that is it that is so important so important. I, I will admit i did not know that right so that's the reason we're we're distinguishing hitler is saying our socialism from the communists mm-hmm. theirs is international socialism Ours is national socialism. Yes. People people know that Hitler went after the communists. Yes. They don't know so they, that Hitler's right. party was socialist. That's right. But a different flavor of socialism. That's correct. So that's question number four. What does Nazi stand for? Mm-hmm. And question number five. This one, I would I would understand people didn't get it, but I think it's important. Where was Hitler born? I mean, what country? Yep. No, was would, was he born in that. Germany? Yeah. Well, don't ask what he born don't in know. Germany. People don't know. So now here's, now here's fun for you. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. The number of leaders who were not born in their country is fascinating. Totally. Oh, gosh. You, you, you know of another example? Stalin. Georgia. Stalin Correct. was born in Georgia. Uh, Napoleon was in was in Corsica. Corsica. Um, wait, there was another one. Oh, Muhammad God, was Ali it? was born in Albania. The, no, the the guy. Oh, my God. Who was Salad, Saladin? Yeah. He was the Arab guy. Right. He wasn't He wasn't Arab. He was, he was born 
uh, I think in in Persia. I love stuff like that. You, your ears must be ringing because I, I've been preparing a show on on these these dictators that weren't born in the country. You ready they for another dictators. one? Who? Blow your mind, Moses. Oh, you're right. Grew up Egyptian. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to add Moses to the list. Yeah. That's really really cool. That's in uh, it's in my Bible commentary. Um, you know, I, I'll give you another one. Name the Axis powers during World War II. Oh, please. You're now asking advanced trigonometry. Of course they wouldn't know that. I bet a lot of people wouldn't know that Japan was in World War II. No, they wouldn't know what Axis means. What are you talking about? Was Japan in World War II? I bet you you half would get that wrong. How many would know Pearl Harbor? Oh, people would know Pearl Harbor, I think. But they wouldn't be able to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would know that it was Japanese, but there was some attack on the... They wouldn't know what's I, I don't think so, honestly. Would they know who attacked America on 9-11? Who? Not that it was attacked. Who? No, I don't think, I don't think so. They wouldn't know it's Muslims? No, they would know it's Muslims, but they would not be able to say Al-Qaeda. No, no, that's Osama enough. That, no, 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 that's fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think they would. Yeah? They would know that, yeah. Because it's very rarely mentioned. Mm. Yes, and I also sat next to someone on the plane, which is which is crazy that I was having this conversation on a plane that uh, said that it was a Western plant, nine eleven, and that all the Jews were evacuated so that no Jews died. It's amazing Absolutely how the crazy. Jews avoid all these I know, calamities. I know, and then end up dead. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's just it's sick. It's just sick. But let's just pause for a moment and, as I said earlier, let let it sink in. It's pretty staggering that a, that the average Harvard history graduate, and I would put a lot of money on this, would not be able to pass that test. I think you should expand it. I think you should make 10 or 20 questions. I'm should, serious. I should. That's another yeah. good timeless episode idea. Well, it's a good good one for an article. Yeah, it but, is. And it doesn't have to be Harvard. Questions you should ask your child who's mm-hmm. in college. Oh, and if yes. they can't answer this, why are you spending yes, the money you are? Such on? a good, such a good um, I think article, it, and I'd be very good the, to write it because yes, I was just in this. Yes, right. There would be nothing more effective in having parents realize not only are they being indoctrinated, they're being kept ignorant. Mm-hmm. Th- this would bring it home. Because the parents way. know the answers to these questions. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. I should do that. And it goes back to what I said earlier that, you know, a lot of teachers wouldn't be able to answer this question, these questions, excuse me. Probably professors would, but I don't think a lot of uh, high school history teachers could be as could I don't be know the competent. answer. It's a, I, I would go back to the, the point that you love that I make the genocides of the 20th century, the most genocidal century in history were all committed by secular regimes and nearly all by left-wing secular regimes, except Mm -hmm. for the Nazis. (laughs) No one knows that. It's like one of the most important things you could possibly know. Yes, just one of the most elemental, fundamental It's one of the points I make when I speak to college kids. You're all for big government? Hmm. Do you know that without big government, there wouldn't have been 
any of the genocides of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. They were all made possible by big government. And by the way, big government makes Social Security possible, makes a lot of good things right. possible too. I'm not saying it only does bad, but all the bad that's been done has been done by big government. Right. And that's not So a why would you entrust all that power in people's hands, knowing how much evil big government has done? You know, I used to think that even some conservatives exaggerated how bad American education has gotten. This was before it got super woke. Conservatives have been saying that that, that education has, has been on the decline even before there was this drag queen right. story and hour you don't crap. Agree? No, I, I totally agree now. Oh. I, I used to oh, think that it was exaggerated. It was, oh. And, and, I know that. And now that I have had my second education, that's what I call it, I, I, now that I've graduated from college, it is the most fun thing to learn because I don't have to write an essay on the book I'm reading. There's no deadline. I can choose what books I want to read. And and now that I'm entering that phase, I just want to keep learning, keep reading. And I'm realizing how true it is. that, that I mean, so much is screwed up. We're just talking about the history department. The English department. Oh my gosh. Or anthropology. Oh my sociology. gosh. Sociology. And they're they're and they kill. They actually kill the love of reading in students by dissecting, over analyzing. So a book I wrote to death. about this when I was at Columbia mm-hmm. in graduate school in the seventies. I wrote a piece. I sent it to the New York Times. In those days, there was no computer, so I have no copy of what I sent them. It's oh. really sad. But one of the things I wrote in my piece was, my fellow Columbia student has no interest in reading. If it's not for yes, a test. so true. I said, if, I wrote, if it's not for a test, you know what they're reading? The biggest, the most popular store at Columbia was across the street. Columbia is, is along Broadway. And then uh, across the street was a comic book store. That was the most frequented literary store around Columbia. Oh, my gosh. See, I blame – and look, everyone has personal responsibility. I believe this as a conservative more than than just about anyone. However, I really do blame instructors and teachers for for this because your slate is clean going into school, and I think teachers – and there are many wonderful teachers. I want to make that clear. I'm not trying to smear teachers with one broad brush, but they kill the love of reading in the way that they instruct and and demand that you like analyze certain symbols. You know, I, I just reread Jane Eyre. I hated Jane Eyre in high school. I thought it was really awful. hated it. I, I I thought it was I thought it was boring. I thought it was it was it was um I couldn't I felt I couldn't understand it. And I remember in high school. My teacher focusing so much on on the moors, which are like the lakes or the ponds near her very – because Jane moves like five times throughout mm-hmm. the book. In the Lake District. Yes, perhaps. I don't remember a damn thing about the moors the second time I read it. And I realized my eighth grade focus on the moors made me miss the entire rest of the book. You know that's true of of every of every single book. I'll tell you another thing that's really important. Again, we've been focusing on history, moving on to English, financial literacy. I would rather my mm-hmm. daughter or son not make it to AP Calc, but make it to a how to pay taxes, how, how to, to invest money, yeah, how to save, how to up. save money, how to be a millionaire effortlessly. 
that that financial literacy is something that That's I've been right. having to learn on my own. By the way, you'll you'll love this because it's funny and also it's a big compliment to your organization. I watch PragerU kids videos to learn financial literacy. They're so helpful. Kids videos. Don't miss the most inspirational movie of the summer, Briarcliff Entertainment's The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid in theaters Friday, August 25th, the true story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill. Growing up poor in small-town Texas, young Ricky discovered his extraordinary ability for hitting a baseball. But with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease, the major leagues were just a dream that could never be. Courageously, he risks it all. Defying his father's wish to follow in his footsteps to become a pastor, Ricky tries out for a major league scout. Pushing hard to overcome his disability, he goes on to become a baseball phenomenon. Some dreams come true. The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn. The true inspirational story about family, faith, and a baseball miracle. Don't miss The Hill, rated PG, in theaters Friday, August 25th. Get your tickets now. So you know Florida has now announced that we're an official uh, educational supplier. It's amazing. At, at Florida schools at PragerU. The left has gone ballistic. And they pick bizarre examples to show how bad we are. Because there aren't good examples. Mm-hmm. They don't know that we're doing this for kids. Teaching them how to be financially literate. Why is that objectionable? See, maybe I'm. this is our classic disagreement. I think I'm more pessimistic. I think they do know. They can go online and, and see what's offered. But they think it's going to be suffused with a excessively pro-capitalist, you know, they... I I I think that they know that that you're offering things that are not overtly political, but they just think you're bad people and yeah, Nazis well, they, who will from make their it. perspective we are. And to them, to them, everything is political. Everything. That's the thing. That's right. They make everything political. Like I, I'm sure they would want to give a a uh, PragerU calls it cash course, which is great. They would want to give a cash course about like ESG and DEI. They think that your objective presenting of financial literacy is itself bigoted because it's not suffusing these these lines of encouragement to invest in sustainability. That's the way these people think. It's it's bad. Anything else from the book that uh, struck you, or did you? Exhaust yes, your a thing? few things. A few things. Um, the the biggest one being. Eric Larson's sources. The, the great thing about the book in the in the Garden of the Beast is that he pulls all these primary sources, diaries, verbal accounts of people living in Nazi Germany, but he makes it read like a fiction book. And one of the things that each character says repeatedly is how ordinary everyday Nazis were. Certainly the people at the top were really brutish and just awful, disgusting truly toxically masculine like just just awful but they but but they stress how how everyday ordinary people just m- literally marched in lockstep with this and, and that's something that we forget we think that we think that we in America would have the moral courage to oppose something like that no we wouldn't even people of high moral character wouldn't actually oppose it 
we we don't understand how easily ordinary people can can go along. I mean, there was this part of the book that made a huge impression on me where Hitler demanded that people report enemies of the state, i.e. Jews, to the Nazi party so that the Nazis could deal with them. At that point, it was before the Holocaust, so it was they were trying to get them out of the country or you know, move them out of neighborhoods. But one of the things Eric Larson writes is that everyday people started reporting their people just that they didn't like as enemies of the state. Like there was this example of a shop clerk that didn't help someone find the broccoli in the grocery store. And the guy just reported him to the Nazis as enemy of the state and he was kicked out of Germany. It's great. It's just crazy. All, everyday people can did, get swept did, up did like this. Did you read my uh, columns, The Good German yes, and The Good I American? Yes, I did. They're some of your best. And the Reichstag they were the most fire. Painful. Comparing that to Jan 6. But those two in particular, COVID and the acceptance of lockdown and masking children and closing schools, uh, they had a a searing effect on me that Nazism or communism could happen here. Well, you know what I think is the greatest proof of that? And I know I've said this on the show, but it's it's worth repeating a million times. Are you telling me, I'm, I'm acting like I'm talking to a leftist, are you telling me that you would have stood up to slavery or to communism or to Nazism when you will literally not criticize anything that is woke? There are so many cowards today. They will not. They they won't even say that that there are men and women. They avoid saying anything controversial. You think those moral titans would oppose the greater evils? They can't even oppose the smallest, most obvious, easy That's to right. criticize That's evil. And by the way, we're in the United States, even though a lot of really just regrettably, awfully, our our liberties are being suspended our justice department is being weaponized but it is still the easiest time and place on earth to criticize the government to criticize evil and have nothing bad happen to you and these moral titans wouldn't don't even do it i have nothing to add that 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 is why i said what i said i i i'm i'm hesitating because it's so hard for me to articulate hard emotionally, not hard linguistically. My disappointment in so many of my fellow Americans. Yes, that was the thing when I was becoming conservative back in 2020 during Black Lives Matter. The the thing that actually did it for me, even more than watching the looting and all that and, and the rioting, was everyday people who I thought I respected mm. – that that was actually the, the greatest kind of red pill. These everyday people who I thought I respected, who I thought I wanted to be like, were such cowards. They wouldn't denounce any of this stuff, and they would repeat the the white supremacy. All of us are because we're white are inherently you know racist. I'd be like, what you? You were one of my role models growing up. You're doing this. Wow. Yes, that that's what it was. It's it's sad. So I have a question for you. Do you mind? I don't want to. If you well, if you have a final no, note to no, say, no, no, please. So I was thinking this today in the car because I was listening to you on the radio, and you were talking about you were 
I noticed that every single show you talk about this transgender issue, every single show you, you talk about the crazy racial, every white person is, is a racist kind of lines of thought that are being taught to our kids. And then I thought, Dennis has been in radio for 40 years. What were you talking about 30 years ago? What were the examples hmm. of leftism gone too far? Well, They're, remember, they, they weren't these. This so was not happening. I years started ago. broadcasting, and and there was still a Cold War. So You're right, I, yeah. I started in eighty two, I believe it was eighty two. Yeah, so that's right. It would be forty that's years. That's crazy. There was still a Soviet there Union, was, East and West president. Berlin. Wow. And it was a heady time with Reagan president. It, it was. It was very yeah, that exciting. Must, yes. But I talked, I talked a lot about that. About the Cold War, you mean? Yeah. Mm. I, I talked about moral relativism because it was rampant then too. Because it, as always in my life, I, I have to draw the big issue or it's not worth mentioning the, the little one. And I said, if you can't call communism evil, well, when I assume that I I was uh, I was broadcasting when the Korean airliner was shut down by the Soviets, you know about that one? Shockingly, I do. <laughs> okay, no, no, there, there would be no reason you would. But I, I didn't mean, learn that, in college. That's not Gestapo. I learned you, it this past year. You did? Yeah. You learned it after college. Yes. Oh, of course. No, but I don't blame college for not teaching. Although that was a, it was a big moment. If you can't call evil evil, there's something wrong with your moral compass. And that's, I, I, I don't know if I've said this to you, but I have said this. I, I, I'm sure I did personally, but I don't know if in one of our podcasts. I thought I was a liberal till my 30s. But I knew very early I was not a leftist. And I, I always knew there's a difference. And I knew it because of communism. If you can't call communism evil, you are sick. You are, you are a moral idiot, literally an idiot. Dostoevsky's the idiot. You are a classified moral moron. As you are if you can't call Nazism evil. And... That's why I was not anti-liberal. Liberals did call communism evil. That's an it's a Kennedy was a, a liberal, right? And and he he, he he called communism evil. But already by Reagan's time, it became verboten, forbidden in in even in polite liberal circles to say communism was evil. That is unbelievable. Well, I mean, it was one of the two issues at Columbia that, that awakened me. Mm. They taught me two things that I knew were lies. Men and women are basically the same. That shows you how, how long this has been taught. And that the U.S. and the Soviet Union, were you couldn't say one was morally superior to the other. That is really important because nowadays we, I mean, this is apropos of what we were saying earlier, there are all of these regimes that are equivalent to the Soviet Union and how evil they are. You know, the, the Chinese Communist Party, the 
the Ayatollahs in Iran, the list goes on. So I guess we do have those examples. But the stuff that we talk about in American life, we talk about this transgender issue, we talk about the race stuff, and people don't people don't label that as evil because it's less overt it's less overtly evil as communism was in the Soviet Union. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's evil, but people can find a way of going, oh, well, these people who are saying this are well-intentioned. That's amazing that we were confronting something as overtly evil as communism. Concentration camps, executions, total suspensions of civil liberties. And they wouldn't people. even say that? They wouldn't even say that. That's oh, my right. God. They, what would they say? They say... Uh, this is what I was taught at Columbia. That's where I studied this. I was at the School of International Affairs. So the general professorial view was America and the Soviet Union are not in a moral battle, freedom versus tyranny. They're in a battle of two superpowers. Mm. They used constantly this allegory, two scorpions in a bottle. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I was in high school, that was the the superpower line was one that I was always told. These two superpowers were fighting over That's capitalism versus communism. Right. Not not freedom not, versus yes, tyranny. Yes. Not not good versus evil. Well, all right. So this is the 1970s. On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a queen-size pillow for $19.98. The regular price is $69.98, and it's $10 more for a king size. You will also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other great products that you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio and podcast square and use the promo code Hartman to receive this great offer on the queen size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 1-800-566-6745. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep that you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code Hartman or call 1-800-566- 6745 and use the promo code Hartman today. It's it's fascinating to learn that the ideological roots of what we are seeing on display now were there. Isn't it? Yes. I mean, Modern Times, the book by Paul Johnson mm-hmm. says, he, he argues it goes back to the turn of the 20th it does. century. It does. It has to. Perhaps earlier. Where did my teachers get their ideas from? Mm-hmm. They didn't make them up. Okay, so you were talking a lot about communism during the the Cold a lot War about, time, and about good and evil, right? Uh, you know, and much of my radio at the time was call in what's ever on your mind. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I loved it because there was a lot of personal issues. Mm-hmm. So once the um, once the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, and before all this oh, crazy race, know, gender I stuff, I have never said this either. When, the, when it collapsed, I remember saying to myself, what am I going to talk about now? Really? Yes. Oh, that's that's revelatory. Yes, it is. Wow. Hmm. I knew I would talk about personal issues. That, that's I love them. But there's no big issue. We didn't get woke yet. Mm. China wasn't China yeah, yes, then. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's really interesting. Yes. 
I will say, I mean. By the way, I wish I had that dilemma. Well, of course, don't we all? Better, be for, a better For the world. sake of the country. Yeah. So, so what in the 90s, and I imagine the 2000s, you were talking a lot about the, the wars in, in the Middle East that yeah. they were pursuing. Well, what about right. the 90s? That was before that, transgenderism, yes, that's critical race theory. that's what I'm saying. The 90s was, in the 90s, Francis Fukuyama wrote a book. Oh, yes, The End of History. What an idiotic book. What an idiotic book. Boy, Ladies has- and gentlemen, I am now looking at you. That she knew that should dazzle your brain. I now return to Julie. Well, thank you, but oh my God! I mean, it is the it is the he, most idiotic. I remember book. thinking, oh, "Why are crazy. they making such a big deal about?" How the this? hell do you know? Okay, so for those who don't know this book, right? Francis Fukuyama was, of course, a professor. I think he still is. Sorry if he's listening, but I doubt it. <laughs> And he wrote this book called The End of History, where he essentially said, now that the Iron Curtain has dropped, now that the Soviet Union and all its constituent republics are free, it's the end of history. The United States is the superpower. Everybody has bought into liberal capitalism democracy. What an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I should be more tempered with my charge. What a misguided book. What an idiot. Really? You're saying, it, oh, it's the end of history? Right. Haven't evil, we learned? Evil is over. By the way, oh, God, there's this amazing book. Of course, I'm forgetting the name of it. But the guy writes in the first chapter. He's, he's, it's a book about World War One, And he says, in 1912, if you could have told Europeans that they were about to descend into a world war, not just one, but two. They would have looked at you like you were crazy. Things were extremely prosperous. Mm-hmm. The relations between the powers were good. Has Francis Fukuyama not learned from history that things can turn on a dime? Because human beings, if they don't work on being good, they'll be bad. Bad is the natural state. If they don't work on being grateful, they'll they'll be ungrateful. If they don't work, if you don't work you on being it. on time, you, you name it. In, insert you will become the opposite. Yes, wow. So so the '90s were really personal issues that you focused on, as opposed to political. See, I'm sorry to philosophize about Julie. I am because I know people excoriated. They don't excoriate, criticize us. Increasingly, not anymore. At because the beginning. we don't talk about each other uh, like we used to. But uh, I, I want people to understand the the, and I'm not even happy about it. But your mind is rare, your soul is rare. This the pursuit of these huge issues and truth wherever it takes you. Do you know? You talk to me about your love of truth, and. I don't know if you've heard me say on the radio, it sounds so weird, but I have said it many times. My dear listeners, I have an erotic attraction to truth. Well, as I said on this show, and this is one of the many reasons I love this show, it's real, it's it's fun, but it also helps both of us develop ideas. I came up with this idea literally on the spot in a recent D&J. The truth is good. That's what I love about the truth. And... God created it this way. Like, if you get down to the truth, men and women are equal. If you get down to the truth, there are no inherent superiorities or inferiorities among races. 
if you get down to the truth, you'll discover that if you work hard and you're disciplined and you're a good person, mostly good things will happen to you. That's amazing that God, does that make sense? That God designed truth that way. He could have, he could have created a world where men were superior to women or, you know, certain races were inferior to other races, but he didn't. That's why, that's, that's why I pursue the truth because I know it's, it's, it's good. That's great. I, but a lot of truths are uncomfortable. Like you said, men and women. Here's a truth about men and women that a lot of women don't like. They're different. Mm-hmm. Men and women are. Do you know? But I, that's a beautiful truth. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. exactly right. So I want to marry someone who's exactly that, like well, me in my disposition. A, a and... lot of women do. Mm. See, this is the beauty of having a talk show because you talk with so many people. My theory is most women believe that they will marry themselves in a, in a male body. That and, and so it comes as a shock. It, it shocks no man that women don't think like us. But it shocks most women that we don't think like you. Mm. It's true. You know, I was on a date recently. I I told you and um, the guy, we were talking, somehow our parents like travel habits came up because my dad is so early whenever we go to the airport and he's all, he like, he's in charge of our boarding passes. He's in charge of our check bags. And there's like always this like super funny kind of role that he takes on and we make fun of him but we're always on time we always travel well and he was saying his dad is the same way and that his mom is kind of like never knows where her boarding pass is and it just we we remarked that it's a similarity um in our parents and it's kind of a male female thing we're like with regard to traveling and planning men take charge and i was saying to him i i love that like i don't understand in other words, the differences between men and women in their dispositions, that's fun. And that's, I want my husband to deal with all the travel stuff. I want my husband to deal with the sink when it breaks. I don't want to deal with that, you know? And I wish people would more so see the beauty and the fun, actually, right. in these differences. So the, the area of greatest difference is sexual. Right. And a lot of women, understandably, are in denial and are frightened my job and I've been successful at it and I've gotten a lot of flack for it has been to what I call defang the male sexual monster and I it works I, I can explain men to women and we're less scary mm-hmm. there are scary men but that's true in the non-sexual realm as well. Men are more likely to kill you than women. Women are more likely to destroy your life than men. <laughs> but men are more likely to kill you. <laughs> so, that's funny. <laughs> well, you, yeah. You know what I say about husbands and murderers? Huh. It only takes one. That's beautiful. So, because you you <laughs> talked about the the male sexual nature as being something that's scary for women, and that's true as a as a woman, I can tell you that's true. But yes. you've demystified it for me, right? Um, as you know, as long as men behave well and that's they get control, right. I mean, but yes. that's a that's a big uh, add on. 
what is the what is the counterpart? Like, what is the thing that that men get scared about with with women? How emotional they are. Hmm. Are you afraid we're going to like be unhinged and? No, men don't want to be yelled at by their wife, and uh, that's part of the reason they shut up. M- women are always amazed. Why doesn't he talk more? Because he's afraid that if he tells you what he really thinks about, you'll yell at him. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's it's that's one reason. There are many. There are many other reasons. But the, but your your point about the truth leads you to beauty. I believe that when done right, the the, the male female fit like this. Yes. Otherwise, they conflict like that. Well, that's what I was talking with this guy about. He was saying, I like being a guy who takes charge of these yes, certain things. And right. I and I like being a woman that lets him. That's right. Hypothetically. Yes. How did the date go? Oh, gosh. I knew you were going to ask. It was good. It was good. I'm always hesitant to talk about my dating life on this show because I don't want a guy who I go on a date with to, to think, think that gonna I'm going right. to broadcast his deepest, yeah, but darkest there, there, secrets. To... There's no way to, there's no clue as to who he was. Well, so. of course, I conceal everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If if someone I went on a date with was a real a-hole, though, I would use my position and tell everyone yeah, but, his address. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but we still that. wouldn't know who it is. So, oh, right, yeah, right. And it would be interesting. I, I feel, I fear that men will get, I, I don't know. I is... I can understand how a guy would not want me, someone in my position, to talk about. If he was not knowable? What do you mean? If he was... Why would he object? Why would I can he... understand if you go on a date. Yeah. I mean, and... once once I'm dating someone, I'm not going to hide them. Um, but I think once you're when you're going on dates, it's probably scary for a guy okay, to there think was that a, I would okay, go on the show I'll, and talk I'll, about all it. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to blow a whistle on a date that you went on in in the past. Okay, I don't know if you said this, and if he's watching, he will know it was him. Only he and you. I don't know who he is. True. Okay, two people on Earth knew who know who he is. Right. Okay. You asked him if he read any good books lately. <laughs> Right. And you, I think he and, was listening. And you might as well have <laughs> he asked He told me he listens. In Portuguese. This is why it didn't work but, out. Okay. All right. Wait. So here, uh, number one, it's a very interesting story. It's a statement of our times. Not a, It's not a statement about him alone. Number two, maybe if he hears this, he'll go, maybe I should read a book. It's not, a, we're not insulting him. We're explaining why it could not have worked out. Good point. So I, I think you're Can we sharing... let's tell the story? I'm sorry? I, I think we should tell. Okay, so tell us. So, long, make a long story short. I asked this guy, what are you, are you reading anything? What interests you? And he said, I don't, I don't read much. But the thing is, he didn't. He didn't follow up and say, "I don't read much, but I watch documentaries." Or like, he didn't. He didn't shift it to another interest. Or look, right. I know I'm into reading. Some other people may not be as into it, but I, I. The question was more so like, "Tell me what, what interests you?" Yes. Tell me what you know. What is intellectually so you're doing a you. service by giving us anecdotes from your dates. That's all I'm saying. Plus, everybody's fascinated. 
We're living through dating. Happy Julie's, to serve. Ju- happy to serve. <laughs> Julie's dating life. It's not a thick book. Let me just say. Rude. Oh, I can't believe Rude. it. Rude. I didn't think of it as an insult. <laughs> it's fine. I know it is. Uh, you you said, Dennis said on, on a Dennis and Julie recently, I don't even think you realize you said it. You were like, if you get a husband. I said that? <laughs> yes. As opposed to when? Yes. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, also... The thing is, I weed. I weed a lot of people out. You know, it's it's not a thick book because I. Well, obviously, we know why. If you 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 could have a date every night. Uh, well, I don't, good, I don't know you about could, that. You're a good-looking woman. End of issue. Okay, good-looking women could have a date every night. Could have three dates every night. That's so. Nobody thinks your book is not thick because you're not wanted. All right, it never occurred to anybody. You don't even have to respond. I'm just telling you. That's a, by the way, it's it's such an interesting question. In this regard, even in this regard, just as women don't know men's sexual natures, they don't know themselves in men's eyes. Wait, women don't know themselves in, oh, that is totally true. Totally true. And honestly, we don't really want to know half the time. That may be so, but uh, you're the truth lover. I know. Trust me, I know. So we'll... we'll... You have made me aware yes. of all of these things that I had previously well, avoided. Me and everybody else at the Shabbat table. Oh my gosh, our Shabbat <laughs> table is so open. People... Oh my gosh. We put that down. Mm-hmm. It. It's really nice. We... I if tell about my dates talk, at Shabbat. No, no, no. Uh, that, you're right, but that's not what I'm talking about. If people knew the openness on sexual subjects at our Sabbath meal, it would blow Christians' minds. It would blow atheists' minds. It, it would blow many Jews' minds. Oh, yes. Honestly, I can't I can't believe I'm saying this now because I know my parents listen. Part of the reason why well, they they don't go to Shabbat even though they it's been so nice that that there's an open invitation to them because they go to bed extremely early and right. you guys eat really late. That is reason number 1. Reason number 2 is I feel like I don't know if I want to bring them oh, I and sit that. next to my dad as you uh-huh. guys are making sex jokes. Like I don't we we could put a partition between me uh-huh. and my parents, so I don't have to look at their faces. Wow. That, but it's Those jokes int- are made. It, it is or actually, God forbid, hear their responses. It's an interesting subject because Jews and Christians have a somewhat different take. Yes, on, I have on, never heard my parents say the word Well, sex. yeah, but people might say, well, that might be you know just idiosyncratic to your home, but it's not. No. Exactly. Well, it goes fast. This was intense. This was great. Well, you've really motivated me. I am going to do that list yes, of, of questions. questions. That's right. And me too. And then I'll, when I go to Germany, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say on the on the next D and J. So I'll be back. Wow, you've never been there? No. Interesting. I've been in the airport in Frankfurt, but that doesn't, doesn't count. count. No, no airports count. I'm, I'm strict on that rule. I'm going to. Uh, I want to go. 
to Nietzsche's house. I want to see where Karl Marx lived. We're definitely doing all the the tours of the of you know headquarters of the SS, the Reichstag. I want to go. This is where I'm a total nerd. I want to go to Wittenberg, which is where Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the door of the Castle Church in 1517. Is that church still up? Yeah. It wasn't destroyed in the war. No. That's fascinating. So. You will see the actual door? Well, I don't know. I I would honestly doubt it. I mean, that's that was five over 500 years ago. Probably decayed, but. Just to be, just to stand no, where agree. he stood. Uh, no, I agree with you. And that, and Eric Metaxas's book convinced me that that, more than perhaps any other historical event, changed things dramatically. He, America would not exist. That's right. If he had not done that, he's a good example of a not good guy who did good just as there are a lot of examples of good guys who do bad. So, in in effect, it doesn't matter what you are internally. This is my big argument with a lot of people about a lot of issues. This is the, I think this is my one big difference with many Christians who really emphasize the internal life, and I don't. There are so many people with good thoughts who do bad and so many people with bad thoughts who do good. I, I really, I maybe God cares, but I don't think so, uh, about what you think. Do you have bad thoughts? Of course. Who doesn't? And, and I learned so quickly, it doesn't matter. That's part of the reason I could be so open. Because I realize I am what I do. I'm not what I think. So I, I don't wrestle with my with my thoughts. I wrestle with my behavior. Mm-hmm. And well, if my behavior is all that's judged, I'm a good guy. In fairness, I would say that your bad thoughts, I mean, I'm, I'm not in your head, but your bad thoughts are probably minimal, as are mine. Yeah. Uh, okay. So... If someone had constant immoral thoughts, then... Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't police uh, I, them. Yeah, Their actions matter more, right. but they probably are more likely to do something bad. So, to somebody who has constant immoral thoughts, I I would work on their behavior. Right. Okay. So. Right, but I I would say that those per, I would say to that person, it's not that your thoughts don't matter because if you're having all of these terrible thoughts all day, you need to figure out why you're having them. Okay. So, what don't, about the people who have all good thoughts and do bad? Like a lot of people on the left, they think they're helping girls by cutting their breasts That's off. absolutely true. You're right. So right. But I don't think that negates the right. fact that if you're having bad thoughts all day, you should try to figure out where they're coming from and try to uh, okay. rectify them. Okay. That, I'll, I'll drink to that. If they're really bad thoughts. A guy is preoccupied with molesting children in his brain. It's, it's bad stuff because it'll probably lead to action. Right. But if it doesn't lead to action, you don't care, and I don't care. I'm not happy with it, but don't. Uh, could... Well, you see, this is perfect. This is a great example. Gosh, you know, we always you do this come, at the end of DJ. You come from a Catholic home, even wasn't religious, but it had 
Well, you, I mean, I think you would agree. You wouldn't be happy with someone that's having those I don't care. Thoughts. I care how he behaves. You don't and care at all that he's having those thoughts? I agree. I wouldn't try to police How do them. I know? Well, what if, so? okay, if you're, let's say your best friend yes. came to you and said, Dennis, I'm having yes. thoughts about molesting children. Right. Would you be like, I don't care? No. I, I would say, where do you think that comes from? I would do all those things, but I would say, you have to understand something. If you act on those thoughts, you are evil and God will punish you. That's what I would say to him. Not, you must work not having those thoughts. If I told you, you can't think about elephants. All you think about is elephants. I don't know if it helps. Don't have those thoughts. Maybe it works. No, that's, no, 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 but that's not the, I, so, I don't think that's the best course of action to say don't have those thoughts. What's the best course of action? Well, what you said, you know, trying to figure out where it comes from, trying to help that person. Right. I don't get, know where it comes from, Dennis. But I wouldn't say I, I don't well, care. No, no, no. So he says to me, I don't know where it comes from. Well, then there's a longer conversation to be had, but that doesn't mean I don't care that he has them. Because the operating thing here was. But you don't care if he has them, if he doesn't operate, act on them. You don't. I don't. I far more care about that person's actions. Was it? But I would be extremely unsettled if my friend told me that they were having thoughts about like stabbing their friend, you know, yeah. their mother, uh, or molesting yeah. a child. Right. So here, okay. So we're going over time. I don't care. We we should so pick it up. I, I this will is good. Tell, I will tell you of one of the five most meaningful calls in my forty years of radio. Okay. Oh, I know this one. About the guy with yep. his mother. Yeah. Okay, but the listeners don't yes. know. Okay. So a guy calls me up. This was during the period you just called on anything. And he says to me, Dennis, I just got to tell you, this guy was about 40, 35. Uh, I'm really, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a bad son. I said, really? How so? He said, well, for the last 10 years, I have been the emotional, financial, and time-wise support of my sick Mother, I'm this. I'm the child who's taking care of her, and I got to tell you, there are times I, I wish, I wish she would die from her illness. So I let him finish, and I said, whatever his name was, I want to tell you something. In my opinion, you are a great son. He thought I was mocking him. He was one hundred percent convinced I wasn't serious. Mm. And I was. So here's a guy who wishes his mother would die. Well, do you care that he has those thoughts? No, I have those thoughts about my own sister, Gina, who who is extremely autistic and and has been in neglectful, abusive group homes. I don't have them now because she's, thank God, in a better situation. But in the height of all that, that uh, of course, there were there were times when I wish she would have a peaceful death. Mm hmm. I don't have a pro- I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that individual should have a problem with that because it's rooted in the fact that this person is suffering. No, his was rooted in the fact that it, 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 it's just he's tired of taking care of her. Hmm. Let's not. I don't want to. No, I don't, no, no. I don't that's an, it's an important. It. It's an important distinction. Yeah, I do think there is a difference between wishing that you're extremely old, probably sick, and or otherwise compromised. Of Mother course, there's a difference. And wanting to molest you. a child. You're, of course. You took a bad thought versus a horrific thought. I agree right. with you. 
I agree with you. We agree, Dennis. I, actions matter far more than thoughts. And okay. I actually think it's harmful. What you said a few moments ago was was spot on. That if you tell people, as I'm sorry, but a lot of religion has done, stop Stop thinking those you're evil. You're, that's going to make it worse. We totally agree on that. But I can't say that I wouldn't care if someone who I was close to or not close to had really bad thoughts. I wouldn't try to police them. I would judge them by their actions. But it would definitely be unsettling. Uh, I would too. If yeah. they were truly evil in that way, it would be unsettling. Mm-hmm. But I would still say that the the guy or the woman who has bad thoughts and doesn't act on them is on a higher moral level than me who doesn't have bad thoughts. I agree. Okay. I do. So the, so I agree with you. You're we, right. We you're, are you're right. Way, okay. My battle is with the left that says your feelings are everything and the right, right that speaks constantly about sinful thoughts. You're, you're right. I'm, I, I agree. have a battle with both. I totally agree matters what you do Hmm? it matters what you do yeah that's right speaking of things that people should do email me but how how dennis should they julie-hartman at julie-hartman hartman-julie julie is a hartman.com sure or you can just send it by snail mail Julie at Julie-Hartman.com. You can also follow me at Julie R. Hartman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Dennis on Instagram. Right, Dennis? This is what you've done three episodes in a row. Oh, God. Yes. They can follow you on Instagram. Who puts me up on Instagram? We literally talked about this three hours ago. Who puts me up on Instagram? Well, someone. Oh, that's beautiful. At the Dennis Prager. Is his Instagram. Go to DennisPrager.com. Go to PragerU.com. And go to at the Dennis Prager to see Dennis yes. and Julie clips. Oh, God. Just smile true. and nod. No, no, this that, point, that, just I'm smile big, that I'm a big believer. <laughs> and you can catch every Dennis and Julie on Mondays at this YouTube channel, which is the Julie Hartman YouTube channel. Mondays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That I know you know. I do. And that's a good sign. Shalom, everyone. Take care. Bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.